This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It falls to Ely on the volley! What a finish! Gotti Kinda has struck! It falls to Polito and he puts it in! To Johnny Russell, first time shot! And Johnny Russell has a hat trick! The Sporting KC Show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Superior light beer with only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs. Michelob Ultra. Find your fit. Now your host, Nate Buchanan. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer Sports Radio 810 WHB. Wherever you get your podcast, we appreciate you downloading, listening, subscribing, liking, and telling all your friends about it. As always, I am joined by the one and only Allie Trost. Allie, how are you? I'm great, Nate. We've got so much exciting soccer stuff going on this week, so I am I'm very energized about it. I'm hyped. We've got a big, big week coming up, and we're going to preview all of that as we're going to talk with Sporting Kansas City Creative Director Chad Reynolds in the next segment as he and a whole army of people have been working feverishly, really for years, but specifically for the past few months in terms of breaking down exactly how Thursday is going to go with the FIFA delegation coming to town for the World Cup bid. So we're going to talk with Chad about that. We're going to spend a long time because I think it's really going to be interesting to have him paint the picture for us as to what exactly is happening on Thursday, one of the most important days in soccer history in Kansas City. We're also going to preview women's national team game coming up on Thursday night here at Children's Mercy Park. Get your tickets, by the way, because that is how the whole FIFA delegation culminates. They're coming to the game. we got to make sure that there's a great crowd on hand for them at that game. On Friday, I'm hosting a tailgate party on behalf of Sports Radio 810 WHB at the KC Woso game. Allie's not going to be there because she's flying to Seattle because Sporting Kansas City are playing Seattle on Saturday at 2.30. That's first place versus second place in the Western Conference, and we'll preview that as well. So it is a busy, busy week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. If you're a soccer fan in Kansas City, what a time to be alive. Now, we got to start with something that's not quite so happy, Allie, and that was the result this past weekend, Sporting Fall to the Vancouver Whitecaps 2-1 late on Sunday night. The good news is they didn't lose any ground on anybody because Seattle, Colorado, Portland, all of the other top four teams in the West lost as well. The bad news is they all lost before sporting, so you go in thinking, man, even if you get a point, you're making up some ground on Seattle and, and a little distance between Colorado and Seattle. That didn't happen. Just a little flat in the attack for Sporting KC in this one, especially after they fell behind by two goals. Yeah, and I think Vermees was on the nose in his postgame talking about it. it. The possession was great. They, they controlled the ball. But you've got to have possession with a purpose, as Vermees always says. And they just were kind of lacking that. And, you know, it was interesting. I actually went back and watched Brian Schmetzer, the head coach of Seattle. I watched his press conference following Seattle's loss to Houston. And he actually said a lot of the same things about the Sounders' result against the Dynamo. You know, you go down a couple of goals. You put yourself in a hole. You lack some of that creativity. And as Vermees said, the zest in the attack. So there were a lot of similarities uh, from both the Sounders and Sporting in their losses this weekend. Now the difference is, is that Sporting's got a week of rest before they head uh, to the Pacific Northwest, and Seattle's got to go to Colorado and play the third place in the Western Conference team. And that, I mean, talk about a game with a lot on the line. That could be the difference of Seattle securing or getting very close to securing the first place in the Western Conference spot and maybe kind of keeping Sporting in the run there. Yeah, so I don't know who we root for on Wednesday night. That game's at 8 o'clock. 
And Colorado, if they were to win the game, would move past Sporting Kansas City by a couple of points in the standings. Now, Sporting will have a game in hand at that point. Uh, a draw would level them with Sporting Kansas City. But meanwhile, if Seattle win, they're eight points clear of SKC. And if they lose, all of a sudden, Sporting are still in uh, striking range. And, of course, Sporting go to Seattle at 2.30 on Saturday. So I'm not sure who you root for in that one. Uh, maybe you root for a draw, and so nobody gets too many points. But uh, either way, it's definitely going to be one to watch. Now, here's the interesting thing. You mentioned the short week for Seattle. Uh, that was the case last time Sporting had Seattle here at home, and Seattle still won that game. The Sounders have been good on short weeks this week, this uh, year. They have been fantastic. Sam Kovzen, he gave us a stat today. Seattle's 9-1-2 and two coming off four days or less of rest, which is wild, and that's just an MLS play. I mean, this is a Seattle team that is good on the road, just like Sporting is, but also good coming off of little rest. Yeah, so it's going to be a tough one on Saturday at 2.30, and you can watch the game on uh, Bally Sports Kansas City, uh, which is uh, it's going to be good. And we'll all be watching that Colorado versus Seattle game. There's a full slate of games on Wednesday night. The other one that maybe is most relevant would be Portland uh, hosting Vancouver. Vancouver's red hot, as we know. Uh, Portland was red hot, but then they suffered a loss this past weekend as well. So maybe keep an eye on that one as Portland's trying to creep up there. They're in fourth place in the Western Conference right now. Now, one of the things uh, that, that we're also wondering about is how healthy will Sporting KC be uh, now with five games left in the regular season? And Peter Vermees spoke to the media today about the status of Alan Polito. Yeah, that's definitely the player that a lot of Sporting KC fans have their eye on. And after undergoing that minor knee surgery, a little cleanup a couple weeks back, Vermees said that he's looking good today. And a big positive was that he didn't really have a lot of inflammation around the knee after the surgery, which sometimes can be common. He's been posting on his social media different uh, rehab exercises that he's been doing and seems to be in pretty good spirits. Now, as far as what that means is getting him back out on the field, Vermees said he's looking to find out more about that today after he talked with us around 11.45 this morning. Um, but he's hoping to get him you know, in the mix down the stretch. Now, what that means for the regular season, not sure, but the hope is to get him involved with the postseason. But Vermees also said, you know, he didn't know going into the surgery how this was all going to play out. Of course, the hope was that he'd come back and would be 100%, you know, good to go going into the playoffs or going into the final couple of games of the season. But you just never know with any surgery, minor or, or major, just kind of how that can, you know, all play out for, for you know, different players. Um, but he, you know, also point out this was an injury that Polito picked up when he was first with Mexico earlier this year for international duty. I forget um, if that would have been the Gold Cup. Was he that the played first in call? both? He played the Gold Cup and the Nations, whatever they call it. <laughs> I don't forget the, the the first competition, but he played in both of them. Yeah. So, so it, it happened yeah. when he was with Mexico. But right now, the positive is all signs are pointing towards Allen, you know, progressing well, and we'll just kind of see what that means as far as getting him back out on the field. Well, the regular season wraps up on November 7th, so we got a little bit of time here. We'll see how Allen Polito progresses and what kind of Allen Polito, if any, we will get at the end of the regular season. Can they get him full fitness by the time the playoff starts? We shall see. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Chad Reynolds joins us to talk FIFA Coming to town on Thursday as the Sporting KC Show continues, presented by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And the Sporting Kansas City Show continues on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. 
wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you subscribing, downloading, liking, and telling all of your friends about it. And, of course, we appreciate you uh, supporting Michelob Ultra because uh, they are the sponsors of the show. And it's only worth it if you enjoy it. So hopefully you enjoy some Michelob Ultra as well. Our guest now is a man who has been incredibly busy over the past few months, as have a whole lot of people who are working very hard behind the scenes for what I will call low-key one of the most important days in Kansas City sports history, which is coming up on Thursday. His name is Chad Reynolds. If you listen to the Final Whistle postgame show, uh, and I'm guessing that if you listen to this podcast, you probably listen to that show. You know who he is. What's up, Chad? How are you, man? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. We're, uh, I'm, I'm tired, but, but, but it's a good tired. Yeah, I'll bet. Oh, I, I can't even imagine. I can't wait to get into all this stuff with you. Before we do, let's do a little intro. Uh, for those who don't know, and, and I'm wondering, maybe some people that listen, listen to the Final Whistle don't know all this. That's not your full-time job. Uh, can you give us your job title and description, what you do for Sporting Kansas City, and how long you've been there? Oh, wow. Um, my, so my, my, my job title is creative director. Um, and what that means is that, you know, technically I'm in charge of the brand and all of the creative and anything you, you, you see that comes out. Basically, if it's got a sporting logo on it, um, I had something to do with that, whether I let people who are smarter and more talented than me put it there and I gave it the thumbs up or I told them how to do it. One, one of those two, but usually it's the former. Um, so it's really that kind of world. But really where I always tell people it's like it's brand storytelling. It's what Sporting Kansas City is and who we are and making sure that message gets out in the world. So that's, that's my day job. Um, the other half of my job at Sporting is, is uh, the old line at the end of your contract, other duties as assigned. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, I was honestly thinking of like incorporating that phrase into my question, which would have been to elaborate on some of the other things um, that you do on a day-to-day basis, one of which is playing a very integral role in this big push to get KC a 2026 World Cup bid to be a host city. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really cool. Um, I've been with Sporting now for 16 seasons, so really the Wizards wow. and then Sporting. Um, so I'm old, first off. Uh, but I did start really young, and one of the coolest things that I got to do when I was really young was we got to put together a bid for Kansas City to be part of what would have been the 2018 or 2022 World Cup had it been awarded to the United States. Um, and Kansas City was picked. It would have been great. It was a different process and all that kind of stuff back then. Uh, and then we didn't get it. You know, then as it famously ended up in Russia and Qatar, the United States didn't get the World Cup. And it was, I always tell people, the worst day of my professional career. Um, and then a couple years later, the opportunity arose again. Uh, the United States was bidding to be part of a joint bid with Canada and Mexico to host the 2026 World Cup. And we were approached again. We, Kansas City, not we sporting. We, Kansas City, were approached again. Hey, do you want to be a host city? And everybody obviously said yes. And, um, you know, a small group of us got together, Kansas, Sporting Kansas City, the Kansas City Sports Commission, the Kansas City Chiefs, Visit KC. Um, I say a small group, and it really encompasses a lot of different um, organizations throughout Kansas City, but a small group of people at the time. And we put together the bid that got Kansas City shortlisted, if you will, to be a potential host. Should the United States be awarded the World Cup? Well, we were. And here we are now. I think we started with 40-some-odd cities who were bidding to be potential um, American cities in the World Cup bid, and now we're down to 17. And we're all fighting for the last 10 spots, maybe 11 spots, but we think 10 10 spots to be one of the cities that gets to host the world's largest sporting event 
Um, and man, I, you, Nate, you, you said it. it. Low key is one of the most important days in sports history in Kansas City. It's funny how history works, right? Like there's there's moments in history where you know, okay, the world just changed. That's a big moment. Um, you know, the the assassination of a president. Everybody, the world stops. Everybody knows. But then there's other moments that happen in some back boardroom somewhere where some decision gets made that changes the course of of history that you have to go find a book somewhere to read about, right? <laughs> um, and, and I feel like, okay, sporting wins MLS Cup, everybody in town knows about it. Chiefs win the Super Bowl, everybody knows about it. But this is one, and we're trying to make sure as many people know about this as possible, on Thursday when the FIFA delegation comes here and tours the city, that's kind of the final push, right? Like that is that is that basically it? Is the is the is the bidding process done from our standpoint for all intents and purposes on Thursday? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for all practical purposes, it is. You know, I'm sure there's some there'll be some emails and some follow up questions from things that they see. But this is the day. I mean, it's the it's it's game day, if you will. It's it's the day that we've pointed to for for going on four, maybe five years now since this first came back up. Um, this is the, the day that matters, the whole, you know, kit and caboodle, if you will. Um, it's, it's our time to show out. It's our time to show up. And, it, and it's really, it's, it's, as you said, awareness is key here, making people know that, like, hey, the more we do while people are here in Kansas City to see our city and see what we can, what we can offer to FIFA and what we can offer to the world, the better because this is it. This is our chance to put Kansas City on the map in a way that it literally has never been before. And it's really, really cool, and it's really exciting. And I hope, you know, I hope the whole city gets as you know, jacked up about it as we are. Chad, what would you say from your perspective is the biggest thing that's going in Kansas City's favor? I guess with this bid, like, what is something that is unique to Kansas City, or would really put us above maybe a comparable city as far as size, and you know, just some of the other factors that are considered? What is that one kind of element that you think pushes Kansas City over the edge? Can, can I give you three? Sure. Okay. Boy, give go. us as many as you want. Well, uh, so th- this, this is really the crux of it. This is where we're headed. So, so Kansas City deserves this. There, there's a line that we're using in some of this that the world's biggest event deserves the right stage. And I love that line because Kansas City is the right stage. And it's, and it's because we are, we are the Midwest bid. We are literally uniting a region here. We are the smack dab in the middle of the country, and there's no other city bidding for this that's that's this central, that's this easy to get to for people all over the country. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're three and a half hour flight from every coast and maybe maybe a four hour flight top from every other city in the bid. And no other bid city can say that. So so convenience, accessibility, 55 million people are within a one day's drive, which is really cool. But when I say we're the Midwest bid, I mean, literally, yeah, I was 10 years old when the 1994 World Cup happened. Right. And the closest venue was Chicago. And by the time we realized the closest venue was Chicago, it was too late to get tickets, and we didn't get – and, like, that's one of my biggest sports regrets is, like, 10-year-old Chad Reynolds didn't get to go to the World Cup in the United States in Chicago. And, like, there are so many kids like me at that age who have the opportunity that if it's in their backyard – and by their backyard, I mean the center of the country, the center of the Midwest – they have that opportunity. Um, And we want to be the city that provides that to them, and we think – we think, you know, the bid deserves to have that centrally located spot in the middle of the country. And so that's number one, like the convenience, the accessibility, the, the regionality of it all. Uh, number two is the passion. Like nothing, 
we always joke about the, the, the chip on our shoulder we Kansas Cityans have, and, like, man, that is so true about this. This city is the most passionate sports city on the planet. If they bring the, the World Cup to Kansas City, they will be playing soccer games in the loudest stadium in the world, and that's a really cool thing. Um, you know, they've never been able to say that before. The loudest soccer stadium in the world has always been Galatasaray in Turkey, and they've never played a World Cup game there. You know what I mean? This is that chance. This is the chance to have uh, the world's biggest event in the world's loudest stadium, which is really cool. And, you know, we can show that in a myriad of ways throughout our history, whether it's the Royals Parade and God knows how many people were down there celebrating that or the Chiefs Parade or how great of a job we do hosting the Big 12 tournament every year, how how, how passionate our fans are about sporting and KCWSL and, and, and the Mavericks and everything in Kansas City. Um, and so, like, that passion is such a huge part of our – Anybody who comes to Kansas City knows how passionate Kansas Cityans are about this city. And, like, I do think that that sets us above a Baltimore or a Charlotte or a, or a Cincinnati or a Nashville or some of those other cities that are in the bid. And the third is experience. It's really just like, no, this is what we do. We do host gigantic parades when the Royals win a World Series that, that make the world news, you know, because of how passionate our fans are. And this is like... This is kind of, you know, second nature to us as hosting big events. Yeah, the NFL is bringing the NFL draft here for a reason, because we're really good at doing these kinds of things. So I know I just rambled on a bunch there, but those, that's it. That's, the, that's why we're the place to, bring, to be. We're the place to bring the World Cup. It's really those, those three things. How many porta potties, though? I, that's <laughs> yeah. like the number you know one thing funny? I always think. Oh my! God. That that actually came up. We, we actually were joking about that the other day. That came up in a conversation. We were looking at the the incredible pictures of that that Royals parade, and you know, it's it's a, a sea of blue, and then there's this like re, like run of red porta potties in the middle of the picture, and we were joking about it. It was like, yeah, no, that's an actual thing we can tell FIFA. We learned so much because of that. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like it blew our socks off that 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 many people showed up as a city. We, the city, the Sports Commission talked about this a lot. They, nobody expected that many people to show up. But you know what? We learned from it. And maybe even more importantly, there wasn't a single arrest that day. The, you know, there were no security issues. There, like, like it's, it's that old, like, hey, you know, we may be Midwestern. We may be kind. We can get rowdy, but we're going to do it, you know, in the, in the right way. And so um, it's funny you say that, Ali, because it literally came up in a conversation the other day. Well, I feel like everything's come up in a conversation at some point as you guys have planned this out. And, and I want to get more to that planning in a minute. Again, we're visiting with Chad Reynolds, creative director for Sporting KC, as well as other duties as assigned. Um, <laughs> and one of those being this World Cup bid. So um, one of the images that I have in my mind, and, and it's because I was on stage for it, and so was Allie, is the, is the World Cup watch parties we had for the Women's World Cup uh, this last time around. Look, we've done it for the Men's World Cup. We've done it for the World Series. We've done it for the Super Bowl. But that one in particular because that was the biggest World Cup watch party on the planet um, that I saw. I didn't see anybody anywhere else having something like that. And one of the images that I always have in my mind, Chad, when I watch, like, say, the Euros, they always show fans in a city center somewhere in Vienna, Austria, or something like that, wherever the, the, the tournament's being held in this big public massive gathering space for the people that don't have tickets or for when other games are going on and the whole place is going crazy. And every time I see that, I think to myself, that's what the Power and Light District was literally built for, and we've done it time and time again. How much do you plan, if at all, to showcase the Power and Light District and what it offers to the fans that would travel here 
for the uh, World Cup should we get it. Well, so that's the really cool part about this, Nate, is that, like, we tell people, imagine having the Super Bowl and everything that goes along with that. Now imagine doing that five times in a month. I mean, the city basically will be taken over in the best way possible by the World Cup, right? So everywhere you go, there will be something like that, whether that's a power and light district or, and, and you know, this is, I think this is public information. I don't think I'm going to get in trouble for saying any of this. There are, there are two what they call FIFA Fan Fest locations in the bid that, um, that FIFA is going to come in and look at. And they do this in every World Cup bid city because there are a ton of people who come in from outside who don't have tickets to the game. You know, they, they, for whatever reason, they can't get one of the 80,000 tickets to be at Arrowhead Stadium for one of these games, or their team is playing in another part of the country at that time. Where do they go to watch the games? And so they set up these big FIFA fan fests. Some of the most famous are down on, you know, the beach in Rio. They had basically a mm-hmm. one-mile-long stretch of beach, right? Yeah. Um, and it's just a gigantic party with a bunch of screens, and, and, and everybody gets together to watch those games. And to your point, Nate, what's funny is when they cut to shots of that over the last couple of World Cups, they would cut to shots of that, and then they would cut to shots of tiny little Kansas City, you know, <laughs> silly little us having a party with 12,000 people in the middle of downtown because that was representative of soccer fandom in America, which is a really, really cool thing. Um, in Kansas City, when we get the World Cup here, uh, it, you know, the, the two places we're looking at for the potential fan fest locations right now, um, Power Light's not big enough. You know, that's only 12,000 people. We're talking potentially, you know, 50, 60, 80, 100,000 plus people. So the two locations we're looking at are the lawn of the, the, the National World War I Museum and Liberty Memorial, uh, you know, including Union Station, like we've seen for the Chiefs Parade and the Royals Parade and, and Celebration at the Station and all those other, you know, major events that we've had there. And then the second location is the lawn of the Nelson Atkins Museum and Tice Park across the street. Oh, wow. Um, which is a really cool, big, open expanse yeah. with a great, you know, great view of, of Brush Creek and the plaza and all that other kind of stuff. So we're kind of selling them as the two options are you've got the, the historic center, National World War, World War I Museum and Union Station, and the cultural center or the cultural district, which is down there by uh, uh, Nelson Atkins Tice Park. So it's like both are really cool options, and you can only imagine trying to have you know a hundred thousand people. I can't even like I, I, I like in my head it's hard to picture what kind of a crazy party that would be, but it's really exciting to picture. I'm already gonna call off work. Yeah. Um, right, right. Right. I'm just going to get in on that. Month. But, you know, something that strikes me when you're talking about that, Chad, is just the proximity to so many businesses, even though it won't be necessarily located in Power and Light. It is just a streetcar drive, a bird scooter, a walk away from all of what's going on downtown. And I mean, all of us here on this podcast, on this show, know how much Kansas City has grown, specifically the downtown um, in the last few years, how much of a you know how much of a better position is Kansas City this time around? And with all of the you know the airport and all of the other areas that are continuing to grow, how much of a better spot is the city in now than they were during the previous bid? Well, it's funny. I mean, I mean, it's not even it's night and day. I mean, the the, the kind of renaissance we've seen in Kansas City has has changed everything. Um, the best example I can give you, I can't even go back to 2012. I don't have those numbers, but since we put the bid book together in 2017, summer of 2017, Kansas City's added something like 3,500 downtown hotel rooms. Wow. Like, that's that's crazy. That's just in four years, and that's not even with, you know, the World Cup guaranteed yet. God knows what would happen once we do that. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, there wasn't a streetcar line. There wasn't a, a, like, I think one of the very, very last things we put in the bid book in 2017 was the new airport terminal because it hadn't been, like, finalized and approved like when we started working on the bid book. 
And by the time we finished it two weeks later, it was like, no, put it in. It's going to happen. And, you know, like, it's, it's just like drawings in mm-hmm. that one. And now it's real. You know, these people are going to fly in and they're going to see it. And it's, it's going to be a real deal. So it, it's, it's kind of crazy as a guy who's lived here for, you know, 37 years now to see how much Kansas City has changed, how much downtown has changed. We wouldn't have even been a thought. We weren't really a thought for 94 for the World Cup. And now it's, you know, it's, it's a completely different place. And it is. It's the right stage. Okay, so we're visiting with Chad Reynolds. Let's get into Thursday itself. I mean, you, you're a couple days away now, or really only a day and a half away <laughs> as we tape this from this big moment. All right, the FIFA delegation comes to town. That's what I keep hearing. Who are we talking about here? Like, who from FIFA? How Are we talking 50 people? Are we talking the president of FIFA? Like, who's coming to town on Thursday? You know, it's, it's, it's something like 35 people. It kind of, it's kind of changed a couple of days here and there. Um, but it's, it's, it's FIFA vice presidents. It's people who are in charge of operations. And, and a lot of it's very specific. It's, you know, the guy who's in charge of specifically every, um, every venue. Then there's the person who's in charge of hospitality. Then there's the person who's in charge of all the training sites that the teams potentially could train at. Somebody who comes in and runs the big events like the Fan Fest. So it's, a lot of it's very specific. You know, this, this person has this reason for being here and seeing these things in that city. And then there's a lot of general folks. He's got some people from U.S. Soccer. Uh, I think uh, Cindy Parlo Cohn, the president of U.S. Soccer, is going to be here. Um, you've got Dan Flynn, the former, um, you know, like a lot of those people who are at U.S. Soccer who are consulting on the bid or working on the bid are a part of it. People from Canada Soccer, people from Mex- the Mexican Soccer Federation. Uh, and then a lot of FIFA, you know, uh, officers, people who work day to day in the FIFA front office in Switzerland to make, you know, soccer's governing body work uh, worldwide. And it's, it's this really kind of cool who's who list of, of people coming to town to, to see our city and judge, hey, is this the right place to, to host a World Cup on a million different merits, whether that's, you know, practical and, and objective or it's super subjective based on, like, the fun factor and the cool factor and, can you know, it, it's, it's it's a really interesting. You kind of got to answer a lot of different questions a lot of different ways when these folks are here, um, because you're talking to so many different people. Yeah, that that I mean that puts a good perspective on it. If you've got the person that's in charge of facilities and then the person that's in charge of entertainment, they might ha- they they have very different questions and different things that they're considering. Are you taking all 35 of these people in the same bus around town and going to the exact same places? Or are you guys splitting it up like, hey, we're taking these people to the stadium. We're taking these people out to Compass Minerals. We're taking these people to the Fan Fest. How does that work? So it's, it's really cool. They actually set up they've, – they've been doing this now. They've already done, I think, eight or nine site visits. And then we are, we are the first stop on their next set of site visits um, after they did the East Coast. Now they're kind of doing the Midwest and then moving you – know, they're moving their way west across the country. Um, it's pretty set. Like there's a group that comes in and goes immediately, you know, they have, they have like the morning breakfast meeting where they all get together and talk and then they kind of split. There's a group that goes to look at the fan fest sites. There's a group that specifically goes and drives to every training site in our, in our, in our bid. And I want to say we've got seven or eight training different sites potentially in the bid. Uh, there's a group that goes to the stadium to look at the nuts and bolts operational stuff. And then there's a group that meets with the city, and that's where there's kind of a big pitch meeting and those kinds of things. And and they you know they get to talk to talk to 
the Sports Commission, Kathy Nelson and Catherine Fox. Catherine Fox is the executive director of the World Cup bid. Kathy Nelson is the president and CEO of the Sports Commission. Um, they get to talk to those people, the mayor, you know, um, the, the dignitaries from the chiefs, dignitaries from Sporting Kansas City, a lot of people there to answer a lot of different questions. Um, and that's where the main kind of pitch happens, where they talk about the city and then they get into the details. And, and then they go and they tour the stadium and they get to see – Arrowhead Stadium, you know, configured as much as it possibly can be for what it would look like during during World Cup matches here in Kansas City. Uh, and that's a really, really cool part of this as well. Is if you go and look at some of the, the press that's been done from the other cities, that's the big moment of, you know, them walking on the field and looking at what this stadium where we could potentially be playing soccer in front of the whole world. Um, so that's a, that's a cool moment we're excited about here in Kansas City. So I'm just right now picturing, like, all these different posters with like a million little check boxes of just all these different criteria that they're looking at. How, how are these weighted though, Chad? Like, is there, you know, does one, if, you know, you meet this many in this certain criteria, does that outweigh meeting X amount in another box or, or is it all just kind of together factored in? Like how does the grading scale look, I guess? That's the crazy part. You know, we, we, we don't really know. we, We've been given throughout the bid process grades on certain things that compare us to other other cities in the bid. Um, but and and now we get the chance to answer to some of those grades. You know, it's like you you kind of had to. If you ever wish you had the chance in college to like respond to your professor's grade, <laughs> like and explain. Yes. No, no, no. I, I I did that, or I can do that better, and here's why I know I can do that better, or here's how I'm planning to do that in the future. You know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff um, that you get to talk to the good and the bad. Um, but but we don't really know. We don't know if they care more about existing infrastructure or what you could potentially build with the legacy. We don't know if they care more about the operational security of a venue or a city than they do the ability to throw a gigantic party. You know, it's that's the really interesting thing. And I think it's going to be a really everything we've heard about this. And, you know, hand up. I don't I don't I'm not in the meeting on Thursday and God, nobody wants me in that meeting. But, like, you hear it's a pretty cool conversation back and forth between, you know, FIFA and the, the, the city, and the city being, again, the Sports Commission, the, the Convention and Visitors Bureau, the mayor's office, all of that kind of stuff, plus the chiefs, plus sporting, talking through all of this. It's a cool conversation back and forth. It's not just, like, tell us why we should bring, it, bring our tournament here, and then we talk to them for an hour. You know, it's, it's, it's very much a collaborative discussion. Um, trying to come to the right solution because, again, they've got to whittle it down from 17 to 10, and and everybody's going to have their own different criteria. So um, I think then they get back together in Zurich over the next couple of months, and in January or February they're all going to have finally given us those final grades, I guess. We're visiting with Chad Reynolds. Okay, so one of the favorite conversations I ever get to have with Cliff Illig is when you start talking about the Disney Corporation. Um, you know, he loves to talk about, you know, he studied the way they do things at Disney World. He's gone down there. Mike Illig's done the same thing. And, and, and then I've gone to Disneyland with my family, and it's like, yes, they've thought of everything. Every single thing that happens here seems to be well thought out and planned and orchestrated in a way to just make me happy. The whole time, even while I'm just shelling out ridiculous amounts of money, I'm just having the time of my <laughs> life. And, and, and sometimes it's fun because Clip will kind of get this smile on his face and he'll tell you about some of the things that are happening at Disney World that you don't even know are happening uh, that just kind of you know, enhance that joy. Um, 
And, and, and I think about that in relation to this day. I know that you guys, Chad, are, are taught those things because if I hear it from, from, from Cliff and Mike, I'm sure you guys hear it all the time too. And it makes me think you guys are planning out every minute of Thursday. Um, can you, I, and I don't, I know you can't give like too many secrets. Can you, can you give us any kind of glimpse? Can you give us maybe just one example of something that nobody would have thought of that you guys have thought of just that might, might matter, might not, but it's just there just in case on Thursday when the delegation's coming through. Barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> barbecue. Yeah. They're, they will, they, they've asked for barbecue. They will be given barbecue. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, okay, so I'll give you a quick story on the Disney thing, and this, this is a story I did hear from Cliff years ago now, um, and it's, it's 100% true. You can look it up. Uh, when, when, when Walt Disney opened Disneyland in 1960-whatever, you know, 6, um, when he opened Disneyland, there was, a, there was a shooting gun, like a little pellet gun, BB gun shooting range in Disneyland. It was like Western-themed or Tiki-themed or something like that. And it was it was aluminum. The whole thing was made out of tin and aluminum, and you, you paid a quarter, and you got to shoot, you know, 15 pellets at these little red targets. And Walt Disney was so particular about the experience in his theme park that the moment that park closed every night, there was a crew that went in and repainted the whole thing by hand so that every little dink and dent from the pellet gun shooting all day at it was painted over, and it looked like it did the day the park opened. Because Walt Disney believed... It may not be your first time there, but it's somebody's first time there, and it should look like it did the day the place opened. And, you know, that, that's, that's the kind of thought process that, that Cliff Illig, our, you know, our owner, certainly believes in. And I know that, you know, John Sherman at the Royals is very much in the same vein. Clark Hunt at the Chiefs is very much in the same vein. And so when you've got those kinds of guys at the table leading the conversations about how do we bring the World Cup here, you know that that, that attention to detail is being discussed, and you're 100% right. Um, the, the the nugget I can give you that, you know, again, not to give away the secrets, but the nugget I can give you is this. When um, when the U.S. men's national team was here playing in the Gold Cup this summer, and there just happened to be a 60-foot by 60-foot We Want the World Cup banner hanging on a giant building downtown that they may or may not have been placed in hotel rooms that if they opened their windows in the morning, they could view those. <laughs> um, that that banner uh, that 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 may or may not have been considered again for this for the folks at, at FIFA not just not just for their hotel rooms but maybe their meeting space um, you know those kinds of things have been thought through in fact I heard a nugget I didn't get to hear it but I heard Alex Morgan was interviewed on the pre the pre match press uh, press tour for the women's national team match this Thursday earlier today and she was asked about Kansas City as a soccer town, and she said, well, I'm sitting in my hotel room, and I look outside, and the world's like the biggest poster I've ever seen telling the world that we want the World Cup is here. So if that tells you anything about Kansas City as a soccer city, uh, you know, that, that's the only thing you need to know. And so like that, yeah, we've thought through a lot of those kinds of details because it does matter. Because ultimately the best thing I can give you on this is, um, you know, Disney's theme is all about making magic moments. It's all about magic, right? Mm-hmm. Ours for this, we kind of had to come to what's our same answer. What's the one thing we want these people to leave Kansas City thinking about? And the truth is this. We want them to leave thinking about Kansas City. When they go to the next place they're going, and I think it's Cincinnati, we want them to be thinking about Kansas City when they're in Cincinnati. We want them to be comparing what they saw and heard and the way the city rallied around this in Kansas City with what they're going to what they're going to be experiencing in Cincinnati. And obviously we want them to be comparing it favorably, 
But like that's it. We want them when they land in Cincinnati to have that to to have Kansas City on the mind, and so that we're always top of mind. And they're just blown away by the wow moments and the things that they saw while they were here. Um, because when they do get back to Zurich, if that's still in their heads, it's a whole lot harder to say no. We're not bringing the World Cup to Kansas City, right? It puts us higher and higher on that list. And so um, whether they're going to Cincinnati or they're going to Dallas or they're going to Houston, we want them leaving and thinking and comparing it to what they what they saw here in Kansas City. And, and that's why it's so important that the city be behind this and the people of the city be behind this. And that's why there's signage everywhere and awareness is key because the more people know and are talking, you know, the, the, the bigger and better that kind of experience they're going to have will be. Well, Chad, this uh, this this gives me goosebumps, man. I, I mean, I I wish I could be with you guys. I wish I could just sit in the car and ride around with well, the delegation. I did just get an email uh, about an hour ago, and this is you know afternoon on Tuesday. There will be a press conference yeah. on yep. Thursday down at Power and Light with a bunch of you know these key individuals involved. Um, so that'll be, you know, just another one of the many events that I will be trying to get yeah. out to and yeah. not trying, I will be there for sure, uh, in <laughs> attendance, but you know, Chad, the number, the other thing I just thought of as you're talking about convenience and you mentioned Houston and I just think about the travel and the traffic with some of these cities mm-hmm. and I've gotten to see it a little bit more now traveling with sporting and like sometimes your bus leaves a considerable amount of time before the match solely because you're about to hit a lot of traffic. Kansas City, you do not have to deal with that uh, nearly as much. So for, for that one reason, that would be my like my number one criteria. If, I, if I'm if i considering this, I'd be like, well, less you traffic. Know, you're 100, <laughs> like one, one, of the, one of the more objective things in the bid is that, that Kansas City is, and this is, you know, there's a study that shows the Texas Transportation Institute, I happen to know that because I was looking at the slide earlier today, Kansas City has the most reliable transportation system of any of the 17 host cities in the United States. And it is, it's because there's less congestion, there's fewer dis- delays. It's because our city is easy to get around. Um, you know, that, that, those kinds of things do matter, Allie. And it's really funny is because, you know, we're a big spread out city, but when you look at, oh yeah, it may be 10 miles between, I don't know, one of the training sites in the stadium. Yeah. 10 miles in Kansas city. We all know you can cover that in, you know, six to eight minutes. Whereas 10 miles in New York city or Houston <laughs> or San Francisco. Good like, luck. Try- Try going 10 miles in New York City, you know, and so (laughs) that kind of stuff does matter, Um, you know, and and it matters, we think, hopefully in the same way that, you know, Kansas City has a higher, a larger social media following of our bid, you know, social media accounts than any other city in the bid. Like, this city has already shown it wants it more um, with those kinds of things. We There's more petitions for the Kansas City petition drive than any of the other cities in the bid. And so it's Again, it comes down to this, like, what's the, what's the objective measures they're looking at and what are the subjective measures and how can we get them excited about both of them? Everyone, please retweet all of the KC 2026. Yeah. Fo- follow all the accounts. Just go to KC 2026 on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow them all. Like them all. Post all of the pictures you can because every little bit. Uh, makes a big difference, you know, so yep. let's all get together and do this thing on Thursday. And I want to point out, you know, we're giving Chad a lot of love, and Chad, you're the perfect guy to talk about this stuff. I know you would agree. There are countless people at Sporting oh Kansas City and the Kansas City Sports Commission and people that work out of the facilities and, and all the other aspects of uh, – there's just so many people that have been working on this like you have. Uh, I wish we could thank them all by name because they're doing work for this city, and it's, uh, it, it should not go unnoticed. 
No, and that that that's I'm I'm just the, I'm just the talking head right now. I, there's a million other people who are doing so much more work and and doing an incredible job, and and so many passionate people on this. You know, uh, Catherine Fox, the executive director of the bid, Kathy Nelson, those are the two easy ones to name drop from the sports commission. But but Jeremy Slavens and Jacqueline over at the Chiefs and and and. Um, God, I'm gonna. I, I can't do this. I will forget so many people, nope. but so many people here at Sporting Kansas City, so many people at the Chiefs, so many people at the Sports Commission, and visit KC, and and the city itself. I mean, it's it really is an absolute team effort. I'm just the guy who gets to come on and talk with you guys about it. Um, and and you know that's the best way you can show thanks to those people for not getting any sleep this week is okay. to go to go to kc2026.com, sign the petition, show your support there. You can go to uh, make sure you're following all the social media accounts. It's, it's at KC2026 World Cup, at KC2026 World Cup on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, and you can take a bunch of pictures of all the signage you see around town and hashtag yep. KC2026. And the, the, again, the more buzz, the better. And just let's just let the let the city know, and then hopefully let the world know how much we want the World Cup in Kansas City. If you're if you're anywhere in the area, wear a soccer jersey on Thursday, just in case they happen to be driving by and they say, oh, "Wow, those two, everybody's wearing soccer gear in this town. They must love this sport." Do all those things, Chad. Thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you on the final whistle coming up this weekend. Sounds like a plan. Hopefully, it's a big celebration for a bunch of reasons. Hopefully, we had a good visit, and hopefully, we get three points in Seattle. Yeah, we got a big, big week. We're going to talk about all that stuff because we got a, a busy soccer calendar Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all here in Kansas City. Back after this on the Sporting Kansas City Show, presented by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810, WHB, Nate Bucati along with Ali Trost. And, of course, on podcast, we appreciate you listening as well. Our thanks to Chad Reynolds for joining us. Got us all excited about this big day Thursday. And the last part of the day involves the U.S. Women's National Team taking on Korea Republic. You can get your tickets if you go to SportingKC.com. There's a big banner right at the top there. Uh, There's a lot of other places you can get your tickets as well. But if you just click on that article, there's a link that will take you right to tickets. I can tell you that the Glowing Dragons, my daughter's soccer team, and I will be going out there. We purchased our tickets last week. I'm looking at the roster, and there are, boy, there are some big names. Uh, Rose Lavelle is my favorite player to watch right now. I tell my daughter all the time, watch her. She is absolutely dynamic to watch. But... You're going to get to see Carly Lloyd. I know that's the big headliner right now. Uh, we want to get a big crowd there, Allie, because uh, the FIFA delegates are going to be there, but also because you get a chance to watch one of the greatest soccer teams on the planet. And such a great atmosphere as well. I was at the U.S.-Canada Gold Cup um, game. That was back earlier this summer, and it just I, – I don't get to go to many soccer games in Kansas City as mm-hmm. a fan because I'm usually mm-hmm. working, um, but that was just such a fantastic – atmosphere and I think that even if you aren't a huge fan of soccer or you're just looking for something to do get you know something to go take the family out to go out you know with your friends Children's Mercy Park I feel like no matter what they host it's always a great time out there and I think that you know beyond that everyone who ever gets a chance to watch the U.S. Women's National Team I think always leaves impressed they're just such a great group to watch there's so much individual talent collectively Uh, it's just always a great product out on the field and so if you haven't gotten tickets yet, definitely uh, look into getting those and showing out for Kansas City because, you know, we've got a big message to send. I think, you know, 
from what Chad told us, they've already done a fantastic job in getting the message across, which you can see all around the city with the big banners, uh, the posters hanging up, telling everyone that we want the World Cup. But this is a great way to show your support uh, by, by going out and short, uh, supporting the women's national team. And Chad told us that Alex Morgan spoke about it uh, during the conference call that the women's national team, by the way, that's another pretty big name. Yeah. It's going to be here uh, on Thursday night for this game. Alex Morgan, and she was asked about uh, why Kansas City would be a place that uh, that would be deserving of a World Cup bid. I think Kansas City is a huge soccer city. I um, was able to kind of live here a little bit in 2015 when my husband played here for um, half of the season. So I got to experience uh, sold-out stadium, sold-out crowds every single game that Sporting Kansas City had. Um, the women's uh, team here, uh, I'm hopeful that – you know, it seems like they are very ambitious and um, high, have high hopes for the future of the team here. So I'm excited for that. And with the facilities and the stadiums they're looking to um, looking to have and build. Um, but I mean, just outside of my window, uh, it says bring the World Cup to Kansas City. So if that's and it's it's the biggest poster that you can see um, in Kansas City. So if that doesn't say bring the World Cup here. I don't know what what does. If that doesn't say that this this city is full of soccer fans, then I don't know what does. And we didn't really get to spend much time around Alex while she was here in Kansas City because her husband, Servando Carrasco, was only here for part of one season. Uh, but she was engaged. I mean, she was on social media watching the games, posting. And my uh, favorite thing to say, I've gotten to, I got to interview Alex Morgan her first year as a player on the national team. She came out through the first pitch at a Royals game. Uh, and so I got to interview her on the pregame, and she was awesome then, and it's been great to see the way her career has gone. And then I will tell you, when you and I were hosting those World Cup watch parties during the Women's World Cup a couple of years ago, I took the, uh, the American flag from my front porch and brought it down there and was waving it around before the games and everything. Uh, and there were some people that would hold that flag up down in the front row every, uh, during the course of the game while it was going on. And there was a picture of that that kind of was making its rounds. And on Fourth of July that year, Alex Morgan posted that picture of the porch from of the, the flag from my front porch. So you know, I, I'm claiming All besties. Me and Alex Morgan are besties. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. I here. mean, who doesn't want to be, want to be besties with right. Alex Morgan? She right. is just been amazing for the sport of soccer. And something that I think is so cool too is just when you look at the role that the players on the women's national team have played, both culturally and in sport over the last two decades. And it just seems to really be, especially with social media ramping up. I mean, these people are not just role models for young women who want to potentially go on and play professional soccer. They're great role models for young boys, for just people in general. Alex Morgan to me has just been a perfect idol, I guess, of sorts, you know, for, for people who want to, you know, look up to someone who now is balancing being a mom, being a professional athlete, being someone who speaks out, uh, uses her platform for good uh, in so many different ways. So she's just fantastic. And yeah, I mean, if she posts that picture, I mean, you've got your American flag I mean, on the social media pages of Alex Morgan. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, I'm not trying to brag, but I'm, I'm trying to brag here. No, uh, but but it's great to have Alex's support there saying that, hey, Kansas City is a great place for it. I would point out also, coming up on Friday, Casey Woso, only two games left at home for them. This year, I'm having a tailgate party on behalf of Sports Radio 810 WHB. We're going to be doing it from 5.30 to 7 before the game. Uh, I'm going to bring my little pop-up soccer goal so we can play some uh, parking lot soccer and hang out. Uh, $20 tickets, you can buy those, so hopefully you get out there for that. And then, of course, the big game, 
Your second trip to Seattle, right? Second trip to Seattle. All right, you tried oysters last time. <laughs> that was a disaster. What are we doing this time? I might fry them up this time. Are you that... going back down to uh, to Pike's Market? I, I steered you in the right so, direction with the with the macaroni and cheese, right? That was delicious. This okay. is going to be a little bit different because the game's at 2.30 the next day. So ah. I actually just got my itinerary. I'm going to be heading to the stadium pretty early, like 9 a.m. Okay. So not much time to explore on Saturday. Maybe when I get there, you know, Friday, early evening, just late afternoon. Just grab some dinner somewhere. you got to get some Go dinner. Grab some dinner somewhere but I am Nate I mean we saw the atmosphere at Children's Mercy Park when Seattle came to town at the end of September I'm expecting very similar type of energy at Lumen Field for this game because that felt like a playoff game I, I think this is going to feel like a playoff game maybe even more so than it did just with kind of where both teams are at right now uh, with just a few games left in the season. Going to be a lot of fun, and you can check out the game on Valley Sports Kansas City coming up 2.30 on Saturday. Our thanks to Chad Reynolds for joining us, and our thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next week right here on the Sporting Kansas City Show, presented by Michelob Ultra.